0: So you guys, I'm so excited. Welcome to Comedians Exposed. Today's guest is host of the Conspiracy podcast, Food Addict podcast, Best Friends with Joe Gorman podcast, and he's running a show Thursday night at Flamingos. Please welcome... Anthony Quinn to Comedians Exposed welcome Anthony hi
1: thank you thank you yeah. you said exposed I'm not showing my man boobs okay I'm just letting you know that uh, I don't
0: know it's <laughs> early on in the podcast let's see what we can get you to do
1: I'm not that liberated I'm sorry I'm just not <laughs> you
0: need to you need to liberate right that's what we're talking about today is vulnerability oh so let's go right into is that an area where you feel vulnerable if I ask you right now to say hey <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my weight is something that always has made me feel vulnerable. And to this day, like even um, if if I'm at a mic, I'm at a show or whatever, like somebody will p- pick me out of nowhere and tell fat jokes and do stuff like that. I don't mind. I can give it back to people. But you have these little subtle things and it, it does make you feel vulnerable. And sometimes the next day, yeah, you don't realize how vulnerable you are until the next day.
0: We're gonna I okay, so we're gonna dive all into this, but first before we do, I want every you know, I've been trying to be very cognizant of making sure. Tell everybody where you can find you on social media.
1: Absolutely. My Instagram is the dot anthony quinn. My um my Facebook is Anthony Quinn, the good looking one. Wink wink. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can please check out my podcast you just plugged. Um You know, we like to keep it real. It's just an on the phone thing. It's an audio thing. And I've gotten a great response. Um, Not that many listens, (laughs) but a great response. Everybody enjoys it and we have fun. And like you said, it's a process and it's about creating good content right now.
0: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> all right, Anthony. So vulnerability. Okay, so that's what we're doing. We're just, it's all a process. You know what I mean? That's where we're in. So thank you to anyone who listens. Let's always thank the people who do listen. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. We appreciate you so much. And Anthony, I appreciate you being a guest. And so I want you to start off... <laughs> what does it mean she, when you're vulnerable what's that for you what is that i just want to
1: say she appreciate uh deanna appreciates you a little more than me just a little bit
0: <laughs> i love it. no i love literally like anyone who listens to the podcast ever i love so much like i, I know right now know. i'm it, hugging you through the cosmos oh my gosh because this, it, this is vulnerable don't you feel like having podcasts is vulnerable
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely, because sometimes you never know who's listening, and I've had people stop me at mics and stuff, comics, like, dude, I like your podcast, and I'm like, really?
0: That is, that's, I think, a very positive scenario, what makes me worry is, like, uh, did you ever, are you a journal keeper, do you keep a diary?
1: No, no, I don't, no, it's all up here, unfortunately, I never forget a thing, so.
0: Oh, that's that sounds tough. I feel like keeping like this is like a podcast is like a diary now that you've put out for the universe forever. And that's so yeah, uncomfortable. But anyway, let's get back to you. What does it mean for you to be vulnerable?
1: Um, for me to be vulnerable um is when I feel like I've extended myself too much or in a situation or I feel like um I'm putting myself out there for people to pick away at me to, um, to belittle me. Um, and what I'm finding out as I get older, that a lot of times it's a lot, I'm overthinking things a lot, you know, it's really, there's no need to feel, um, to not feel to feel vulnerable. There's no need to feel vulnerable, you know? Um, but it's a process. It's one of those things. We have these behaviors and these feelings Mm -hmm. and we can treat them, but they never go away.
0: Do you think being
1: vulnerable, do you feel it's a bad thing? Um, Well, I think it has to be uh, kept under control, especially for me. I suffer from other things um, that that make me vulnerable. Like I have some some ailments. I have a neurological thing. (laughs) No jokes. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I mean, that makes you vulnerable too. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, this is what I'll say. Um, A lot of times... If I don't know the difference between good and bad, like if something happens and I'm not sure if it's good or bad, mm-hmm. sometimes that's good for me. Sometimes that means I'm in a good space because I'm not judging anything. And that helps me with my
0: vulnerability. Yeah. yeah. What about comedy? Do you do you feel comedy helps you? One, I'm going to ask about coping. Like, as it sounds like just from some of the just sharing, you know, having a health issue, does comedy help with that?
1: Well, um, comedy is hard, right? <laughs> uh, not not for you, for me. I'm talking about for me, okay? <laughs> Whoa, let's slow back. Um, you know, it's just, it's one of those things like it's, it's, it can be what you need it to be. And it's easy for me to say that. Yeah. Then when the it's a packed house and they're like, you're on next, <laughs> you know, that's something where, you know, you have to, and I find that I don't prepare enough. I have a thing where I I do self-sabotage a lot Mm -hmm. in my life. That's what I've done in the past a lot. Yeah. And so I make myself vulnerable in in a bad way.
0: Huh. What about you said comedy, what it needs to be. So what does it need to be for you?
1: Um, it needs to be positive and it needs to be, um, you know, something I can express myself through, you know, and that I can feel good about, um, for the first, you know, I've been back about four years now, and for the first year or two, I was just—I wasn't sure, you know—I wasn't sure. But now I'm sure, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know I want to be on stage, and I know I'm never going to stop doing
0: anything. Why, particularly comedy? Like, what draws um, you to comedy?
1: Uh, I—I'm a people person. I always have been, and I love making people laugh. I love talking to people. I love, um, you know. Just mixing it up with people, and a lot of times, if you don't have a microphone, people don't want to mix it up with you. (laughs) No, but I'm saying is like you know, it's a big part of who I am. Is um, you know, I'm social, I'm outgoing. Yeah. I like to express myself, and um, you know, like when you do well, there's no better high than that, is there? Is there a better high when you you know do do, well in a big room? It
0: does feel good but then do well. Yeah. That. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, You know, and this happened here.
0: Okay. This is a question. Here's the question because you don't know that high until you do comedy. Okay. Yeah. No, you have no clue what that's like. So why before the high even exists, why did you say I need this microphone and you're just saying, okay, because I want to be social and make friends and,
1: you know? No, no, I no. don't. I always wanted to do comedy. Years, twenty years ago, um, I took a, a comedy class with Scott Blakeman. First time I ever did comedy. Jerry Seinfeld did a drop in, so I was like, "This is meant to be." But it was a time in my life where I was very young. I had a lot of trauma, and I had nobody to um, really give me support. Comedy was different back then. There wasn't as many comedians, and it didn't seem as easy to slip into. You know, I was talk about vulnerability back then. Um, you know, I, I just, um, but so when I came back to it, now I'm, you know, I, I've had a family, I've done all these things in my life and I always wanted to do it. I just wasn't sure if I could. Mm-hmm. And once I found out, like once, once I did it for about a year, I was like, you know, about a year and a half and I started getting some success and I started having some people really believe in my comedy. That's when I realized, you know, this is it. This is it.
0: So what's your comedy about?
1: <laughs> um, my comedy is, uh, you know, it's about my life. My podcast food addicts about my life. I share a lot of stuff about my life. I find that doing that helps me, you know, it helps me deal with stuff, but the podcast more because comedy is, is, is weird. Cause if I, um, share one of my problems, like with my food addiction, I can have jokes about my food addiction and people will laugh, but it won't help me as much as when I do a podcast about it. You know, I'm talking with somebody else, and then I can listen to the podcast back. And the podcast like 40 minutes. Comedy sets like you know seven to ten or whatever. So yeah, you know, it, it's just sometimes I would think like you're joking about this food addiction or you're joking about drinking people's syrup. Why do you keep doing it?
0: <laughs> but and it's, it's uh, part of too, I think, um, you know, because other comics have said this with like. This idea of neutralizing things like you're able because especially too, like so much of comedy for some comics. I don't know if it's for everybody, but for some people come is born out of a really painful place or really uncomfortable experience. And it's like by talking about it, you're reclaiming it, you know, kind of like taking it back in some way. And yeah. you know, I was curious, cause you talked about how early on, right before, when we first got on the podcast, you kind of talked about, you know, how you're uncomfortable and feel vulnerable with your weight. And then you said oh, how yes. you feel more, um, you know, on stage, it's not, you don't get as, It's not as cathartic versus your podcast of talking about like those food issues. So it's like, do you think that element, the physical element of you know, being on stage, because I feel like that's such a big part of comedy is like, how do you physically look? The audience is going to judge us or interpreting us. You know, we have no idea what they're thinking, but we have internalized these socialized thoughts. So what yeah. is that like for you on stage?
1: Uh, you know, a lot of times you got to know your crowd. I mean, you know, that crowds vary, but um, uh, it's hard because sometimes I do feel like people are judging me a little bit, you know, um. And that's how the self-deprivating comedy can get to you. Sometimes it can sink in. um, If you're talking bad stuff about yourself all the time. Um, And there's always, it's always truth-based. But a lot of times when I'm on stage, when I have the microphone these days, I'm in charge. You know, I don't care what people think of me. You know, if if they're not making, if they're not laughing and I think they're judging me, then I'm going to call them on it. Hey, you got a problem with, you know, do crowd work. Mm-hmm. And then people, you know, people brighten right up. Like, hey, how you doing? And then they come up to me after and say it was great. So, um, yeah, I've had unbelievable trauma in my life. I suffer from PTSD in a lot of ways, and comedy absolutely helps it. It absolutely helps my self opinion. It helps everything, you know. Because you see other comic, I don't want to. You want me to start crying? Is that what you want? No. <laughs> you want Quinn tears? No. <laughs>
0: My tears.
1: You know, you get this bond with other comics, you know, and it's like it's like you're like you know soldiers, you're like comrade comrades in arms, you know. And uh, but at the end of the day, when you're up there, you're still up there alone,
0: all by yourself, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's and it's weird how like you know being up there by yourself, um, the audience, how the audience, you're dependent upon the audience. So how much. Of your comedy when you're going up there is just for your own self-healing, or how much of it is for you're really focused on what the experience of the audience is going to be like?
1: Well, you know, I did this the other night. Um, you know, we actually took a trip to Ohio. I don't know if you heard about that. We did this like Jersey Boys. I'm not from Jersey, but Carl Bill, but it's the Jersey boy.
0: Oh, I am Jersey boys. (laughs) I
1: impersonated a Jersey boy Saturday Friday night. what? Who
0: was it? You? and It was
1: me, Carl, Andrew Rich, this guy, Steve Goldberg and uh, Mark Jobs.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah.
1: So, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it was a great crowd. It was a packed house. Everybody was under 30. And um, I found myself. So there was this one joke that I like. There's always one or two jokes that I do for me because I like them. And sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. And I have this new joke where I'm talking about eating. I've been dieting. I'm like, cause I I really, I haven't had um, fast food or sugar for like three and a half weeks. So, I mean, you know, I'm trying not to be too crazy, but I use it on stage and I'm like, it's the spiders. We eat seven or eight spiders a year. I'm eating 500 spiders a night, you know? And I go, and sometimes people laugh at it and they don't. And, you know, I elaborate. But I said, I said, I do that joke for me and everyone laughs at that, you know, so, you know, I, I think if I try to do it too much for the audience, then I'll miss out on it. Yeah, you know, I'll miss out on some of it. So um, it's just, you know, it's learning. You know, and that's why people who have been doing this for 20 or 30 years are so jaded.
0: (laughs) You know what? I'm curious, like, again, yeah, doing it for 20 and 30 years, but it's like thinking about like my curiosity is like, what are you trying to get out of it? You know, so it's like, can you That's a great question? Yeah. Like doing it for 30 years, like what's your ultimate perspective? So for you, what are you trying to get out of it?
1: Well, you know, I'm trying to get, well, approval from the audience of course (laughs) um but yeah i'm trying to uh help you know live a balanced life do things that i like i have my kids um i see so much stuff in the comedy world that i can't understand i see people all they do is talk about how many years they've been doing and all their contacts and then they go up on stage and there's just nothing. You know, I'm not trying to say any that I'm better than anybody, but what I'm saying is if you're going to talk it, you got to walk it. You know, you got to back it up. That's how I feel. Um, So uh, I'm trying to, to let it be a balanced part of my life, create contacts and friends that I have, con- you know, things in common with, you know, a support network. And I'll tell you, the Jersey comedy scene is a pretty decent support. it's turned into. A pretty decent support network.
0: It has and after after the what was it the turf wars, you know. <laughs> gulp, I just
1: are, gulp, gulp.
0: <laughs> yeah, those that are left have made peace. <laughs> oh my gosh! But you know, you because again, you were on podcasts one one of them, and I got to be on both of Anthony's podcasts. They were yes. really fun, super fun, conspiracy talking about all different conspiracy theories. Um, and you were to
1: Judge Judy. We are talking about Judge Judy. Uh, you
0: yeah, yeah, Judge Judy. I feel like, again, <laughs> cut right through the bullshit, you know? it's like nobody, nobody, He makes
1: nobody, me vulnerable, Judge Judy, okay?
0: <laughs> but I don't mind being vulnerable. I think you and I, it's funny because you've got like, you know, we're like the yin and the yang right now on the screen, you know, with your, your black t-shirt no. on and my white t-shirt on because it's like, I like to be vulnerable. I lean into it, you know, I feel like, all
1: right. I'm You're okay with it. I have no choice. My name's Anthony. <laughs> you know, I'm an out. I'm just vulnerable. I just am. So I think there's good parts of it. And there's, you know, there's, a, I, I would say it's more annoying. It can be more annoying to me yeah. sometimes because I'm, I'm, ex- I, ha- I have this extroverted thing and uh, you put yourself out there and you know, you get, you get hurt. Yeah. But what
0: mm-hmm. if you didn't put yourself out there, then what would happen too?
1: then you get nothing you have to take but you're also
0: hurt so that's just the, the the bottom line is, audience, you're gonna get hurt. Everything hurts, okay? Yeah.
1: I'm Deanna Kobe, and I'm telling you, it hurts.
0: <laughs> it hurts. Dang. Maybe
1: that should be the name of this podcast.
0: <laughs> you're <gonna bear> it. <laughs> it hurts. Uh, well, you know, especially too, like, yeah, vulnerability. That's exactly what it, you know defined is leaving yourself open to attack, either emotional attacks, physical attack. You know some sort of emotional harm um and you know again i i do try to kind of like talk with comedians about like just again because i feel like physicalness is something that's an added element to doing comedy because yes, not only just what we're saying again i do feel like what our persona is also depends upon how we're perceived based on our bodies so, yeah. I, you know, I like your second podcast, Food Addict, was very, I found it to be personally very, vul- a willingness to be vulnerable, because you're talking about, again, oh, addiction. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say something, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, w- what I have to work on myself is putting uh, tools in place. So I don't um, self-sabotage. So I don't go into the self-sabotage mode. So the vulnerability doesn't become part of my problem, you know, where I can keep it at a healthy level. I think that's what, when we get in, when I get into it, it's, it's living a healthy life is what I want to do.
0: But I think the vulnerability is okay. It's what the emotions that come with being vulnerable, like, okay. Like for me, like, are, you know, shame is there? guilt, is there? regret. You know what I mean? It's like those emotions. It's like, cause the vulnerability is like, you're opening yourself up. So like, for me, it's like, you're talking about this openly. Like you're like, like saying, and I think it's wonderful. You, you know, so open about it, especially cause like one thing as a comedian, I am fascinated by is how, there's been a really huge movement towards being inclusive with comedy and not punching down, but I don't feel that has applied to fat people. I feel like fat people get left out and it's still like, so fat people are still, it's like a classic trope. And it's kind of like, wait a second. We're like, especially when we look at the addictive quality and nature of food.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, it's uh, whatever you have, whatever, you know, whatever your defect is, people are going to go after it. Um, You know, the thing about, you know, being overweight is a lot of times um, it just sucks because we're given so much disinformation about nutrition. And sometimes you get in such a hole with your body and your it's all part of it. You know, it's all your frame of mind. It's when the sugar, like getting off sugar is huge for me. Yeah. I find that when I'm crashing on sugar, I'm thinking crazy shit. Yeah. Because I'm crashing on the sugar. I'm crashing on life already. <laughs> but well, you know, the sh-
0: your, neuro, your, your It rewires your neurological processes. So it's like you're now rewired to crave it and just constantly want it. And it's like, and this is the thing. And it's like, this is cultural. So, like speaking before we got on the podcast, Anthony, and I we're talking a little bit about American culture, but looking at if we had to define American culture, food with our, you know, and looking at our culture and food, our food overwhelmingly is that of creating these patterns of people, like of addiction with what they eat. And it's, you know, how do you expect people to come out of it on their own? So I give you so much credit for openly talking about it and, you know, just engaging in the concept because it's like, it's a, it's something really relevant and important.
1: You know, you wouldn't believe this actually shocked me a little bit, um, how much everybody can identify with um, food addiction and, mis- you know, the behaviors that go along with it. Like, even if you're not a food addict, you have behaviors that are unhealthy when
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: you should need something and you know it's bad for you, especially if you start getting to be over 40 and 50. Then, I mean, like I see people doing coke that are over 50 and it's like, dude, <laughs> somebody asked me if I wanted coke one night. I'm like, dude, I'm like 80, 100 pounds overweight. I just had a fucking baby, man. <laughs> no, I
0: didn't know. Oh, cocaine, I never I never understood cocaine. I just. I don't, I don't oh, know. I
1: understood it. Oh,
0: my God. Um, no, it's so true. I had a glass of wine. Recently, like I haven't really drank and it this shit hit me like it's like when you get to an age, like, yeah, your body tells you clearly like you need these things. And it's like you it's and again, it's like one of these things you got to cultivate and take care of yourself. But
1: yeah, yeah. A lot of people, they just don't listen to their bodies. And that's what I try to do. It's almost worse, Deanna, because I've lost weight so many times. I've been successful so many times. So when I'm going to fucking fast food every night, because Wendy's has two for five, I actually know that I cannot do this. I actually know that I shouldn't be doing this, you know, and that I'm going to have to be going up that uphill battle again, you know, and it's just making it worse. So it's, it's one of those things. You just, I have to do myself. Nobody can say anything to me. Nobody can belittle me enough, you know, cause I'll eat over anything. I'll eat if it's raining, if it's sowing, if it's shot, if the sun's shining, if my set is good, if it's bad, if it's Christmas. If it's your birthday, it's Deanna's birthday. I got to eat a pizza. But
0: that's the thing. Again, going back to culture, like our food and culture, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you eat for culture. Like that's something that's part of it. It's like, there's so many complexities and layers upon it. And, you know, and again, um, what about the audience? Like how, cause you talk about this uh, in your set. How does the audience respond?
1: To. To oh, like People you. always laugh at the foods, the food addict stuff. Um, because I incorporate it in with the with the fat stuff. Um, they always laugh at the drink your syrup. That always gets a laugh. Um and uh what I do is a lot of times I'll say, anybody here have problems with food? And sometimes some people go right away, they'll shake their head and I'll go, whoa. You shook your head kind of quick there, pal. Yeah. <laughs> what are you trying And then you know, we have a laugh about it. But if somebody's saying something, you know, if somebody says, hey, are you, you know, you have a club foot and you're like, no, I don't. You may have a club foot. Yeah. <laughs> Not the best analogy. But I'm saying is, you know, is it's, you can tell and it's, you can lie to yourself all you want. We can lie to ourselves all day long. You can go get the the, the fast food breakfast. You can get the Dunkin' Donuts. I can't even be around Dunkin' Donuts. I I I try to look the other I I can't even look at one when I drive by.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> it's just so terrible for you, man. Yeah. I mean, it's like there's nothing nutrient. You but might it's as so well spoon vegetable
0: and it's so cheap, you know, um
1: every office you go yeah. to, they have Dunkin' Donuts. When I used to uh independent films, I used to do independent film production, Dunkin' Donuts every craft services. You know, and, Yeah. Uh, so Yeah. So that makes me vulnerable too. Yeah. You know, it makes me, um, if I see food around, you know, I'll think, oh, everybody thinks I want to eat this food. You know, like sometimes you feel that you feel guilty. Like, is everybody watching me eat this donut? I don't get crazy about it, but sometimes it's an afterthought. A lot of this stuff is an afterthought because I think about myself a lot. I'm a genuinely cheery kind of guy.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. (laughs) Let me have that one, okay? (laughs) Um, so I don't know. I, you know, if, if, and I tell my kids this man, and that's what being a dad has helped me a lot in life, because when I tell my kids something then I have to pay attention to it and I have to live it. And one time my son said this to me, um, he was probably 11 or 12 at the time. And he goes, I'm trying to dad, but you're acting the exact opposite the way you tell me to act. And I was like, Whoa, (laughs) you know, and that's it. You know, that's it. I mean, at the end of the day, no one really cares. I mean, they want some people want to care, but if you don't get the proper treatment or get get your, you know, get yourself together the right way. Yeah. People get tired of listening, man. They do.
0: But you think people would. But what I'm trying to do you think people would get tired of listening to you talk about this? Is that what you're saying?
1: Oh, no, I'm saying like if, if you don't if you're not positive if you don't have a constructive way, like the podcast help me, the comedy helps me. Yeah. Um, my kids help me to understand what's negative and what's, po- you know, positive because when you start complaining all the time, I'm great at it. Deanna, I could be an Olympic complaint. I would bring the gold home for the team. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, It just gets you nothing. It just it wears.
0: It's a lot of wasted energy, you know. Absolutely. You think about how limited we have such, especially too, like with doing comedy, how much time comedy consumes. Like trying to do it, like, yeah, you know, you don't want to spend time dwelling on like negative, negative, negative things, especially things that are beyond to some extent, like just beyond us, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And that's what I'm learning to let things go. Cause with the negativity and the eating, I mean, talk about vulnerability. I'm making myself vulnerable to disease, like physical disease.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's like, especially, I feel like that's a great way to like think about things like with health is like, you know, and like looking at our relationship with food is like really thinking about like, no, this is like nourishment. And this is, you know, keeping us alive. And especially like you think about how we're living things and plants are living things. And, you know, like there's gotta be like, again, that energy you're getting from consuming, um, live, you know what I mean? Like things from the earth.
1: Yeah. It, you know, it tastes so good. The proper food tastes so good. And, um, you know, when you're eating it, you feel so great, Yeah, but it's work
0: and it's expensive too. So, but th- I feel like now we're going to getting somewhere completely off, you know, OK, I'm sorry. Other, I'm sorry. No, no, don't be sorry. No, 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 no. I, I,
1: I was sorry before we we, we, we logged on. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> I feel like we could even talk even like that's like a whole other like, you know, talking about, again, like food, looking at food specifically. But I love how, again, you bring that in, because to me, like, again, it's very vulnerable. I shared myself like as a woman and I only can identify Again, from the female perspective, but it's been very uncomfortable doing comedy for me because of again, just being comfortable in my body and just having to deal with all of that. So it's, you know, I always like engaging with fellow comics who can like kind of be like connect with that in an, a relevant way. Um oh, yeah. You know, I feel like it affects. Sometimes your performance, you know, definitely like that Absolutely. level of uncomfortableness of like, ugh, ugh, you know, it really holds you back.
1: Yeah, I would say, um, you know, uh, from my experience, um, talking to women that have been on my podcast. Um, women have it. Uh, I, I don't want to generalize. But what I've on, what, they have it way worse with food issues generally and way worse with this sort of thing, with people judging them, being sexist towards them and stuff like that, which I could imagine would make you feel vulnerable in a, in a bad way.
0: It's Yeah, I think um, it. Well, again, I I, I appreciate it because I think about my own experiences doing comedy and like feeling certain instances have happened along my comedic journey and i was like all right i felt very vulnerable because surrounding those things but i'm like that's okay because it's like aside from comedy like again this is why i like this idea of vulnerability because i think if you tap into things that create joy if you are willing to make yourself comfortable you, there's there's movement and room for yourself to evolve and that's you know, that to me is like, oh, that's why I love this stuff, you know? So I love the fact that, again, you're willing to talk to me about this. And because it is, it's really uncomfortable.
1: (laughs) You know, I always used to say life is about moments of peace and joy and togetherness. And really, I mean, that's what it's all about. And and that's right there. Yeah. Comedy is in all of that.
0: Yes. Yeah. Because it is, it's like you can connect with people, you know, you're in the moment. And, you know, especially like, I just love like, you know, those really like organic moments where like a joke is created within that setting. Like, and it only works in that one moment in space and time, you know, but there's something really nice. What about for you? What about some of the things you joke about? Do you dive into topics that make people uncomfortable?
1: Well, you know, honestly, I feel like uh, with what we're going through and with, um, I don't, I really don't, I'm not a politics guy. I don't get into the politics because I think it's a slippery slope and so many people are misinformed that I may, I would make my whole thing arguing with people that really don't even know what they're talking about. And I don't know what I'm talking about. That's why I don't even get into politics because it's all just, it's kind of like a mirror. You know, you can look at it either way and it's just, it's a waste of time. Um, What I have done is I've stopped with the buzzwords. I hardly swear anymore. And I feel so great about that. Yeah. I feel like there's so many more places to go, and it's weird to hear me say this because I'm not going to say I was ever that blue. But and I'm not going to say I don't say an F word every once in a while. I do. I mean, my name's Anthony. I have to. Okay, forget about. It. <laughs> but um, but now without the buzzwords, there's just so many more places to go, and maybe now without the buzzwords, maybe I can approach topics that I never did. Yeah, you know. You, you find a way, I think it's finding a way to talk about stuff. And I find a way, like I talk about my girl. Um, I talk about my baby. You know, he's wearing 4T clothes now <laughs> and he's 19 months. Okay, right. <laughs> Four year olds don't wear diapers, just so you know, I'm keeping up to speed. <laughs> <laughs> You're
0: a big boy. Aww.
1: So, yeah. So I talk about that. And, uh, You know, just like my life, what's going on. And that's one of the things I think I'm struggling with as not struggling with, but as I I feel good about that, I see my material changing. It's becoming more about real stuff, not just about jokes I'm trying to tell.
0: Does it make your family uncomfortable that you talk about that stuff?
1: Oh, they don't really even listen. They don't. I mean, (laughs) they did. And now they everybody's so busy. You know how it is when you say, watch my comedy. Unless somebody asks you for your comedy, they're not going to watch it. (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: I mean after a while, they watched it for a while, but you know.
0: Oh. Do you think uh, comedy requires that you have to be your authentic self?
1: Um, you know, I think being your authentic self in everything you do is the best. Um, I think uh, but you know, if you're in the moment, you know, you being being an artist, you know, you you, you transform into things in that moment. And and finding authenticity is all part of it, you know, in any role you play on stage or, I think, in life, period.
0: Yeah. So, I don't
1: know. I mean, I'm, I'm all real, baby. I'm not.
0: <laughs> so you would be saying, because I feel like in my, I don't know, I, it, sometimes I feel like there's a spectrum of people who do comedy, like, who are the joke writers. Like, we are going up there. I have my jokes. I have... Or maybe my persona even. Um, And then I have, I feel like the other end of the spectrum of where people are like, this is me. This is who I really am. And I'm going to show you who I really am on stage. I'm just going to like turn it up a little bit.
1: Yeah. You know, this is funny because this is what I didn't get the first time I was in comedy. I didn't find my stage persona. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't find it. And now I did. You know, now I did. And it's close to me. It's close to me, but I think that's the growth in comedy is you find out how to change it a little bit for the audience.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, you find out how to make it a little better, clean it up a little bit, make it more fun. I used to think I had to express the grit, Anthony Quinn, you know, and now that's more for like open mics. If people aren't listening and stuff, yeah. but if I have a show, I'm happy, man. I want to be like, Hey, everybody, I'm Anthony Quinn. You know, that's what I do now. It's happy energy.
0: What are your three words? Give me your three words to describe Anthony Quinn comedy.
1: Whoa. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, energetic, um, loud (laughs) and round. There you go. (laughs) There you go. I just wrapped it up for you. Nice little package.
0: (laughs) Okay. Uh (laughs) (sighs) Um, would you rather be criticized for a joke or misunderstood for a joke?
1: Uh, I mean, everybody I think would say misunderstood, you know, um, it's, it depends on who the criticism comes from. I take criticism from other comics worse than I do, you know, people in the crowd. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I mean,
0: criticism from other comics. Why'd you say? Why are you getting criticism from other comics?
1: Well, you know what I'm saying? Like people give you like backhand and stuff. Why? (laughs) Oh yeah. Why am I getting criticism? (laughs) Shut
0: the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. That's where you get gritty with them, Anthony Quinn, right?
1: You're tough. You're, you're, I'll tell you, let me tell you, I'm going to tell a Deanna Kobe story right now. Do I have a second?
0: Okay. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Do I
1: have a second. Well, I was, it was, I was about a year in, about a year in year and a half in probably. And um I saw Deanna. I think it was one of the one of the I, I think it might have been at the boiler room. I'm not sure when it was. It was one of those places where it was tough, all comics, all these young comics. And I was doing pretty well. And you were laughing at everything. You were, you were encouraging me and you were like telling people, shut up. Like you were you weren't saying shut up. You were saying it in a nice way, but being authoritative, <laughs> and you were just so, you were so hardcore. I mean, hardcore is really the only way to explain it. And I was like, I was an instant Deanna Kobe fan, man. You were just, and you were funny. It helps if they're funny, folks. Oh. It helps if they're funny.
0: That, that's very good. I I don't recall this at all. I know you. Don't. Now, yeah, I thought I was kind of like incognito, just sliding in and sliding out. No, it but...
1: wasn't. It wasn't that noticeable to anybody oh, okay. else. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But it was noticeable to me because I. I, was, I saw people's body language different toward, you know what I'm saying? They were like, "Whoa, that you had respect that I didn't
0: I have." comics get so butt hurt though. Don't you don't you think oh they're very sensitive little group? <laughs> you know, I wanted to say to you Anthony, Bob Marley
1: Whoa. said,
0: yeah, Bob Marley, Bob big Marley, fan. yeah. Fan. Fan. I know, that's why I'm sharing this quote with you. That vulnerability is a way for your heart to allow your heart to feel pleasure.
1: I agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you, you can't stay shut in. You can't stay shut in.
0: So what do you but, think for, how, what about the audience then? How would you tell an audience because co- comedy again, it's, it's not just a, you know, you're the comic on stage, but the audience is an integral part of it. So how do you, especially in this woke culture that we're living in right now, um, how would you, what would you say to an audience to be, willing to allow the comedian to be more vulnerable on stage? What would you, you know, give them advice right now? They're listening. They're listening. Tell them, Hey audience, this is how you should be.
1: Well, I would say always listen to the comedian's whole act, you know, don't jump to any conclusions. Sometimes like people want to uh, like criticize somebody for saying a word or saying something the wrong way, but you haven't heard the rest. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if somebody's inappropriate or somebody's trying, it comes out. It's not just one little thing, you know, to come out in something else that they do. I think people are too quick to jump. Yeah. Um, and that's why I don't even mess around. I, I mean, Deanna, there's people that look like me that are doing crazy shit right now. Okay. <laughs> you know, so um, I'm like, hi,
0: friendly. Good. No, I'm happy. <laughs> Have a baby. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Yeah. Well, Anthony, I wanted to say again, it's always a pleasure talking with you. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And Anthony, again, just do me a favor, tell everybody again about your podcast and where they can find you on social media.
1: Okay. I have my original you know. podcast is Um, That's on everything, every platform. My new, my newer podcast is Food Addict. Um, And that's not just about, it's about my life, but my life is pretty much centered around my food addiction and, um, I do have a podcast I did with Joe, Joe Gorman. We do sometimes it's called best friends for now. People seem to really like it. Um, and the dot Anthony Quinn. And again, the good looking guy on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Anthony Quinn
0: yeah. and uh, your show, right? A flamingos.
1: Oh yeah. Um, yeah, we're helping them set the flamingos up. We're helping them run it. So uh, I'll be at the flamingo and uh, people should go out. It's a strip club. Okay, relax, calm down. But it's a tent in back. All right. You don't have to do anything crazy. You could make it rain for me, but I'm not taking it off. any. I'm not taking off anything. Um, but yeah, um, it's going to be fun every Thursday night starting this week. Yeah. Opening week.
0: Wonderful. Well, Anthony, it's always great to talk to you. Yes. I want to thank you so much, okay? Okay.
1: All right. Thank you.
0: Be well, my Bye. friend. Bye. Bye.